This is NBA Sound System at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, coming to you from the Thomas and Mack Center on the campus of UNLV. For the very latest, check out our full slate of Summer League podcasts by searching NBA Sound System on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. You can also visit nbasoundsystem.com to listen in. Thanks for being part of NBA Summer League 2019 on NBA Sound System. NBA Summer League podcast. It's day two. No natural disasters have occurred Woo! yet, but we still got some time left. So cross your fingers and knock on wood. I'm Amino Hassan. I'm joined by Jimmy Cook. Jimmy, given that we weren't interrupted by any sort of uh, acts of God, if you will, we had actual basketball today. And so what I want to do is I want to start with day two. Who's really impressed you out of the guys you've seen in the first two days here? Well, I mean, with a 5% chance of a stronger earthquake happening today, hopefully past to this point in time, uh, the one that shook me the most was probably Carson Edwards of the Boston Celtics. He's a second-round pick out of Purdue. Um, when you look at what he did at the college level, he could create his own shot, but he was an assassin from beyond the arc. And today he did what you advised players yesterday, which is if you're going to go score points, do it in a way that is to your strengths and do it into a way that helps your team. He had 20 points. He had five triples and was a deadly 41% from beyond the arc. Um, that whole Celtics team from top to bottom really impressed me. Grant Williams and Javante Green each contributed 12 as well. Uh, they seemed very fluid and plenty of pieces that could potentially one day help a Celtics roster that obviously had the departure of Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker coming in to fill that void. They lost Terry Rozier as well. And with Jalen Brown, Jace Tatum there, there there's going to be plenty of playing time available in that second unit. And a lot of guys were fully hungry going into that game today and proved that they are worthy of a spot. Yeah, so you talk about Carson Edwards, and this is, as you said, a second-round pick. But he was one of the people that uh, – one of the players that people felt was, could be a steal in the draft, a potential – kind of uh, value of diamond in the rough a la guys you've seen in the past like Draymond Green, uh, like uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, watching Carson Edwards out there, you said he did the things that he's supposed to. He, he played to his strengths. That's why they call him strengths. Right. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity on the Celtics team to get minutes, I believe, given the departures of Al Horford, Aaron Baines, and now uh, – Marcus Morris, right. uh, who is reportedly signing with the San Antonio Spurs. Does Carson Edwards strike you as a guy who could come in and give him some minutes early, given that Brad Stevens isn't a guy who's scared to play a young guy in big minutes? Well, at first, when he was drafted, I thought the same thing that you did, is this is a potentially steal that a lot of people thought as well. But I wanted to see, is he more than just a flash in the pan of three, four weeks in the NCAA tournament? Can he still translate things to the next level? And yes, we talked about it summer league, but... He was able to get going early to the point that he could go drive to the rim when you're trying to run at him and close at him as a shooter. He could create a play where you have two defenders trying to set a double team. He's going to make the right pass to get somebody else open. So to answer your question, absolutely, especially when you have, as you mentioned, Brad Stevens running the helm there, not afraid to give some youngsters some playing time. I think that Carson Edwards in that rotation where you're going to need guard help to give Kemba some rest when he needs it. There is a spot to be had there. Whether or not it is the 
seventh guy off the bench or the ninth guy off the bench, I don't know. But there's playing time to be had, and I could easily see Carson Edwards filling that void. So you got Carson Edwards' draft pick. You got Williams. You got Yabusele, who's already on the team. Mm-hmm. He also but, looked good, too. But possibly the most famous – no, definitely the most famous player on this summer league team for the Celtics. And one of the most famous or, you know, uh, attention-drawing, I should say, players in all of summer league is Taco Fall from Central Florida. Uh, I've been – I've seen Taco Fall in person – uh, several times now between the draft and and working here. You stood next to him yet? I stood next to him. I have stood next to him. So you stood next to Taco. Yeah. You've seen him up close. You're starting to see him now. But the crowd got hyped when he yes, first checked in. Seeing him on the floor, moving around. I gotta say, more mobile than I thought. You know, we were doing the broadcast for the Celtics and 76ers for Sound System and. I was working with Bo Estes, and I brought up our conversation from yesterday about Zion, which is that he looked heavy. Mm-hmm. When you look at Taco, I mean, I know they're, you know, he's got almost a foot on him, which is yeah. insane to think about, but he he looked graceful. He looked like he could move. Like it was, I mean, I don't know if you could do that over the course of a whole season, but for that small sample size, you're right. He looked a lot more mobile than I think any of us thought going in. It also didn't hurt that he was going up against another uh, gargantuan fellow, the seven foot four Chris Kumaji. So, you know, I like, I, I, sometimes you look at a context and you're wondering, you know, we often think about it at, from the terms of, oh, a summer league skill comparisons. But in this case, it's a size comparison. And again, not too many seven foot four athletes out there. But by way of example, he moves, I think, lighter and quicker than Boban Marjanovic. And Boban's, I would say, a bona fide NBA player. It's funny that you bring that up because we were working with uh, David Dufour of The Athletic for that broadcast, and we were trying to figure out who is a good comparison for what Taco could maybe be. And Boban was the example for his potential ceiling if he's able to thrive in the NBA. Yeah, I think think the big difference is Boban is incredibly skilled, right? You know, you talk about, you know, a, a high 70s free throw shooter, Right. A, a very good mid-range shooter, can finish with either hand around the basket, um, keeps the ball high. Like His basketball IQ and his basketball skill level is very high, but I think Taco, Taco has him beat physically. And honestly, that's the reason why Boban plays but doesn't play much, right? right. Because he's too much of a liability moving laterally defensively, and uh, you know conditioning is also an issue. <laughs> right. But Taco looks like... Man, I can give you some minutes out there with some good energy. And he had some big finishes out there. Yeah, he did. He had six points. Most of them were either dunks or, or nice little scoop layups right at the rim. There's one with the with the flagrant foul, right? There and, was. and he finished through the contact. He the, did. Oh, Chris Kumaji tried to clothesline him, and yep, it still yep. didn't work. I tell you what, I mean, even if it's not at this level, um, he can make some money internationally. Yeah. If it's not, there's, there's, there's definitely a future there on the hardwood for Taco Fall, no yeah. doubt. I, I'm interested to see if there's a team – Either that a team gives him a chance or uh, if he's willing to do, go the G League route. And let's see if, you know, working on his game 24 hours a day rather than having study hall and all the other things that uh, student athletes have to go through on the collegiate level, if that can rapidly um, accelerate his skill uh, development. And if it does, I think, I mean, I wasn't a believer, to be honest, watching the the – NCAAs, I said, okay, it works because you're playing against little kids. Right, right, right. But once you get to the NBA, the athleticism, the speed is just too much for a guy that size. But 
Again, seeing him out here, it, it, I, I can see it now in a way that I didn't see back it's in It's an eye-opener. Yeah, a little bit. Like, maybe not an eye-opener. Maybe it's kind of like a, a little squint. Okay. Like, okay. Maybe. So he's still got a little more to do before I, we're, we're eyes wide open yes, for, for that. One thing I do want to talk to you about as we roll on here from NBA Summer League on the NBA Sound System podcast, the league itself, the main goal from Adam Silver and, and the rest of the league offices is to constantly – expand the game um you obviously have the the nba africa movement um you have the uh game you know constantly evolving in right. this instance at summer league where we have the chinese and croatian teams here representing for a 32 team field at summer league and then you have for the first time in nba history a international team though it is right across the border win the nba championship this year right. in the toronto raptors and, and by the way a team that not only plays internationally because they're in another city, but also features a heavy international influence. Right. When you talk about Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, Pascal uh, Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Uh, you know, I don't know if he counts, but OG Ananobi, even though he's from Missouri, his uh, family is of Nigerian descent. And then, of course, the GM, uh, excuse me, the president of basketball operations for the Toronto Raptors, Masai Ujiri. Um, no, I, I think this is another great example of the game growing is that you know, and oftentimes when you talk about the game growing, Jimmy, it's not an instant thing. Like, we want it to be like, all right, we did this game over in uh, China last year, and now two years later we're going to have a great Chinese player. And it doesn't really work like that. It's you, you, it's almost like planting a seed, yep. literally planting a seed. you got to wait for it to grow into a big oak tree. You can't rush day. that process. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun to see the seeds get planted here. We talked about it yesterday, Yao Ming. Uh, giving the quote about if 20 years from now we're still talking about Yao Ming, the great Chinese basketball player, I failed in my job as, you know, this director of Chinese basketball uh, where he's trying to grow the game in his country by bringing players and exposing them to a higher level of competition than they would experience if they just stayed at home. That's a very – it was. We, we talked about it yesterday. It's a very deep quote from Yao because you know how important it is to him to see from his home country, see the game continue to evolve and and not just have another big fella like him, but maybe have the next star forward or the next star guard right. come well, from that, China. And that's and that's the other big thing. When you look traditionally at the Chinese players who have come in here to the United States and flourish on one level or another, Yi Jianlian, Wang Zhuzhu, uh, Meng Batur, all those guys were bigs. Right. Yao, all of them are bigs, right? And so the next evolution for Chinese basketball uh, in order for them to be a power on in the international scene in terms of their national team, but also in terms of uh, the level of play in their domestic league and the prospects of sending another Chinese player here to, uh, to the NBA. Guard play, perimeter play. Uh, you got to find a way to get quicker guys out here, more skilled guys out here, and have them competing against American athletes and their peer groups earlier because then it becomes it feels right. more normal as opposed to the culture shock you come out here you know and you get like they lost to the heat uh summer league team by like 30 la yeah. last night you know, that part of that is just culture shock you've never played against anything this advanced in your life right. and that's the summer league team yeah and and what's i think that even even goes a step further in my mind is if you continue to grow the game internationally it won't just be like summer league play like this but like you can't just have okay 
I know you have the FIBA world as well, but you can't just have every four years we're going to meet in the Olympics and, yeah. and it's going to be fine. You need more opportunities to go up against the best in the world right. if you're you know, trying to grow the game internationally. And I think that this is a good step in the direction having them here at Absolutely. Summer League. And, 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 you know, there's a Croatia select team as well. But I think we're focusing on the Chinese team because they're, uh, you know, further back on the process in terms of they're newer to the scene. Yeah, right. And also to make matters worse for them, you talk about European nations. You know, we talked about World Cup. We talked about um, uh, Olympics. the Olympics. Yep. But also the European championships, the competition is pretty good. Right. And if you think about uh, the European championships from a couple of years ago, that Slovenia won mm -hmm. on a team led by Goran Dragic and uh, Luka Doncic, mm -hmm. right? And you think about the Spanish team. And how you know they they have the Gasols and they have right. uh, Ibaka and they have uh, uh, Rubio and all these guys, right? You think about the Serbian team with Jokic. You think about the French team with Tony Parker and, and Boris Diaw and Evan Fournier. And all across, I guess what I'm saying, if you're a European basketball player playing for your national team, you get pretty good competition one way or another, right? Beyond your domestic leagues and the Euro League that you're playing for clubs, for your national team play, you're getting pretty good competition, not just in those world events, but also in the regional events. Right. To a lesser extent, same thing with South America, same thing with North America. When you look at the Canadian national team, how they become a power. The big problem for China is they only see that high-level competition when it's a world event. Right. Because the Asia games are the same thing. You're not going to get... That kind of culture shock, right. playing against Korea, playing against Japan, playing against Thailand. Like, right. you know, it, it's just not there. It's not the same as the competition level and, yeah, and everything. The, you know, the Brazilian national team having like six NBA pros on it or, you know, or uh, the, the Argentine team uh, a few years back, you know, having a team good enough to win the gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah. So I think these are the things that why we, I guess the conversation focuses around China. It's not a disrespect to the Croatia select team, but. They they already know what the what the stakes are. Right. I think the Chinese team has a little bit of an adjustment from that standpoint. And speaking of you know the international influence, it's not always as we said with OG Ananobi. He's from Missouri, but uh, his family is of uh, I believe Nigerian descent. Matisse Thybul, uh from Washington, the rookie, the defensive stalwart, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year two times. Uh, he's of Haitian descent, and so. We're seeing a lot of second-generation uh, or, I guess, first-generation immigrants also become factors in the game around the league. And that's beautiful just from the aspect of that's how you know that the steps the league is taking to move the game internationally, even if it is starting domestically, like we right. mentioned, he's born in Scottsdale, but, but even if it's starting at the States, but the descendants are from outside of the U.S., right. that's how you know it, it's working, that the, the interest there is to be a part of the NBA. Okay, enough human interest stuff. How about that Tybo on the court? How did he play today? He looked really good, I mean. Um, remember, I mean now, if you remember yesterday, we spoke about, look, we know he's an all-world defensive player, but does he have the offensive chops to be able to do the defensive stuff that he needs to do? This is a guy who averaged six points a game, I believe in his uh, senior year at Washington. So to answer your question, I mean, for Matisse Thibel, he was able to do a little bit of everything today. It wasn't just his defensive prowess, but he put some points up today. He had 15 points. He had six rebounds, an assist, a steal, and two blocks to go along with it. 
He was actively involved all across the floor, showed he could shoot it from downtown, four of nine from beyond the arc. And when we were on the broadcast today for that game, Thibel and as well as Norvell Pell, the 6'10 center for the 76ers, along with P.J. Dozier, they were all making plays that the same way with the Celtics. It made you think, wow, both these teams, there are components here that could be added to a G League roster, added to either of the Sixers or the Celtics who are going to need extra guys off the bench. So, yeah, Thibel impressed. He was able to show he's more than just a, a defensive asset. It was a complete all-around game for him. But now, as you said yesterday, all right, you do it once, that's great, but let's see it on a consistent let's basis. see it on a consistent basis. And, and for many of those other names, like you said, it may not, the end-all, be-all may not be, I got myself my first NBA contract. Maybe it's just I got myself a look. He's worth a look. Right. Which means don't throw this one out with all the other, you know, also rants. This one is worth keeping tabs on. Keeping tabs on, maybe we just track wherever he lands and see how it continues to develop. Right. Keeping tabs on might be uh, more involved and engaged. Like, come come be in our our uh, on our G League team and our because you know if you if you invite a guy to camp and cut him during camp, uh, he becomes uh, his rights. I guess get first right of refusal to the G League affiliate if they've never played in the G League before. Right. Yeah. So. All around with Thibel today, he was a first-round pick by the Celtics this past year in the draft, just a couple weeks ago, actually. And I know he was a you know defensive player of the year. That was on the table for him. But he made a strong case in session number one for the – make that session number two for the Celtics that he belongs on a roster – and if he keeps doing it, then he definitely, the I think, six, should be on a roster the six, for, the, for the Sixers. Yeah. Correct. Um, and at the very least, like you said, he got himself a look today. Okay. All right. So let's let's flip to the other side. Very first two days here at Summer League. Who's disappointed? Who is someone you're really excited to see, and then you walked away going, eh. I was disappointed to see or hear today. It's not fair to him, but I was disappointed to hear that Zion's out for the rest of yeah. Summer League. Um, I get it. He's your number one overall pick. He is potentially a franchise changer. I mean, the Pelicans have had success in the draft before when they picked that high. Obviously, Anthony Davis, now he's a Laker officially, uh, just a couple minutes ago officially announced and processed with the Lakers front office. But I really was looking forward to seeing more Zion. Um, that That's probably my biggest, man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have seen more because he didn't wow me yesterday. Like I wanted, like you said, he looked a little heavy. Um, I just I wanted to see more of him up against the rest of the the field, but rather safe than sorry when it comes to knees. You know what my disappointment is? What's that? How many players we're looking forward to seeing in summer league, who, because of unfortunate situations this year, have not been able to perform. Whether it's Zion who performed a little bit and was out, whether it's uh, Michael Porter Jr. who was out for the entire uh, summer league. John Morant, John Romeo Mar- Langford, R- uh, Romeo Langford, Taylor Horton Tucker, second round pick to the Lakers. We're really excited to see these guys play and see what they've got. And we were kind of, again, it's not their fault, but it is a little disappointing. It's a little bit of a bummer, right? Yeah. It's like when a when an earth, earthquake derails a summer yeah, league game. Yeah, it's nobody's right. fault. It's just, it's. Can we figure out what we're gonna do with those games. Are we just not gonna play them? Or? I haven't heard the official word. Um, 
I would hope that they would get rescheduled later in the week. Did they do uh, like a, a AAU style two a day? Yeah, I'm about that. I like that. And then you play another game in the evening. I like that. I don't know about how those front offices feel about that, but I'd be about it. I'd be all for it, man. Look, this is summer league. We're here for experimentation. We're here to find out new and better ways of doing things. This is a lab, not only for the players and the coaches, but also for the league. Uh, Speaking of which, mm -hmm. how have you felt about the, uh, the player challenge or the coaches challenges being a part of, the summer league. Level. I haven't seen one. Really? I haven't seen one in action. Have you? There was one today for the Celtics 76ers game. It was a uh, basket interference call that was a uh, you know, player ran at the rim and put it back in and they called uh, basket interference. They took it away. The coach called the timeout. They challenged and it was a very quick process. They went over the monitors. I, I don't think it took more than a minute, minute and right. a half. And they actually ended up reversing the call. Wow. They won the challenge. Yeah. How about that? And they didn't get to keep a challenge because the rules say that if you get it right, you lose the challenge anyway. Yes. But you get to keep the timeout. Yeah, yes, so that's nice. Yes. So, and I, I like that. I don't think we should be out here throwing flags. How about the way, what's it look? Is it a flag? or what? It's a, when you call the timeout, you right. do the oh, you, you review. Do the ref, got you. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any timeouts. Can't, you can't use it. You can't use the challenge. No. Okay. And only one per game. You know, I talked to, we talked to uh, Rex Walters on Sirius XM NBA because he coached in the G League. And we asked him, like, is there a strategy with this? Because do you. Do you save it? They're like, it, it, something egregious happens in the first half. Do you say, I got to save this thing for the second right. half in case it's the last second play? Or do you have to call it at that moment? And say, yeah, in general, you want to keep it towards the end, right. but you also want to sense a momentum shifter. Right. And if this is a momentum shifting play, you might go ahead and use it. So you've seen one happen. I'd be interested to hear if there were any others that have happened. You know, obviously, we've got games running simultaneously in both gyms. Uh, it really isn't possible to watch every single summer league game. Uh, so we, most of us, if we're not calling a game like you, you and I were yesterday, right? You kind of do this little float back and forth thing here. We're in a quarter break here. I'm going to go over there. At halftime here, we're going to come back over there. All right, en enough of enough of the hard hitting analysis of players and all that. Let's talk about the real fun thing about summer league. All right, who did you see today? You said, oh, fancy seeing you here today. As far as NBA players or celebrities, whatever you want to call them, I met I met 3D today. I met Dennis. Scott. There you go. Man. That was that was pretty cool. He talked about his son. Talked about how basketball's been for him. Right. Um, his son Trey, and he was just talking about all the free agency madness. And yeah. it was, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm obviously a little younger than you, so like most of my 3D uh, experience has been. Uh, no, uh, no, most of it's been just like TV. the documentaries and highlights and oh, stuff. So you, it's not as. You. I mean, I was a little kid when, um, very young when the. Uh, you know, the magic days. So I, yeah. um, uh, that was really cool though, to be able to meet him. Dude, three, three D. I tell, I joke with guys like that all the time, man, you left a lot of money on the table being <laughs> born so early, you know, a guy like him. Cause he's a big guy. That's right. the thing people don't understand. It's not just that he was a good three point shooter. He's a three point shooter with size. Right. And so in today's league, he'd be an absolute commodity. Um, you know, one of the things I love about summer league is it's, it's, it's both a meeting place where you can meet people. Right. And it's also, Almost like a family reunion. People that you've known for a long time. So for me, I saw a lot of people today. A lot of people with the Clippers have some big smiles <laughs> on their faces. Sure. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoyed seeing Alvin Gentry, who, of course, is the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, and was the head coach of the Phoenix Suns when I was in Phoenix, uh, an assistant coach before that as well. Uh, you know, one of my, just one of my favorite people in the business. Uh, Funny guy, one of the best storytellers, great personality, and, and a hell of a ball coach, a hell of a 
um, an IQ. And then uh, the other person I saw, it's funny you say 3D, Kristen Ledlow. Nice. I always brings a smile to my face when I see Kristen Ledlow. She's just so pleasant. She does a, such a tremendous job for TNT, NBA TV. She's, uh, I guess, just like 3D. Yep. She's out here to cut, start covering the games starting on Monday. If you and I were playing Turner Bingo, we'd be doing pretty well so yeah. far in terms of our yeah. card for, for the still, talent. Still haven't seen Grant Hill. No. And still haven't seen uh, Isaiah Thomas. And those are my guys. Yeah. Grant Hill and Isaiah Thomas are both of my guys. They're over there, our partners over at Turner, obviously. All right, so we teased it. Uh, I told you, Jimmy, I saw a lot of my buddies that work with the Clippers. Chest puffed out a little bit more. Strutting their steps. Strutting their steps, <laughs> smile a, bit, a little bit wider. And my favorite thing is whenever I bring it up to any of them, they're like, oh, no, we've always been like this. You guys just are looking at us differently today. Be that as that may, maybe we are just looking at them differently, but they are very different, Jimmy. So to kind of slightly undercut the we've always been like this, my mentor in broadcasting, his name's Rob Brown. He was a PR man for the Clippers in the 90s. And wow. he still is a Clippers guy to this day, even though he's based in Indianapolis yeah. now. And it, we were talking today and he was like, Jimmy, if you would have told me 20, 30 years ago that this team that I was writing game notes for that only won 23 games yeah. – would suddenly be the Vegas favorites to win it all, I would have told you you were nuts. So it's, it's a long time coming for the Clippers. Like, I'm, I'm happy for, for Jerry West. I'm, I'm happy for Steve Ballmer. I'm happy for Pat Beverly. I have for Lou Williams. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled for that sector of Los Angeles. You know, did I see it coming? Nobody did. No. I, that, was, that, accompanied with the earthquake, will yeah. forever be, in my mind, to this point in time, the craziest part of NBA history I've ever been a part of. So, uh, so wow. I, yesterday, I texted, when as soon as I heard the news, I texted one of my buddies that works for the Clippers. And I said, two earthquakes. One named Paul George, <laughs> one named Kawhi Leonard. And he said, and I, man, I'm, I don't want to get the Clippers in trouble for this. But this is a funny story. He said, no, no, that was the sound of LeBron stomping his feet. Ooh, and that's when I knew, oh, it's the about battle. to it's be on. on. <laughs> it's on. It's about, we've never had. Never. The Lakers and the Clippers be good at the same time. The closest we got. Bob City. Well, well, even, well even that, well, then, the, you know, Lakers weren't that good. Right. Back end of the Yeah, that was Kobe so era. Bob City started. Remember, they, they, they were trying to trade for Chris Paul, the Lakers. Right. And then that was uh, uh, made null and void by uh, then Commissioner David Stern, who was acting as the governor for the uh, New Orleans Hornets. Hornets at the time, right. You want to call yep, them. yep. Um, and then as soon as the Clippers started, which was, I want to say 2012, this is coming out of the lockout, right? Yep. That was the last year the Lakers made the playoffs, 12-13. That's wild. Right. And so it, it, everything kind of changed after that because that's the year that Kobe ruptured his Achilles. Right. Right. And that's also the year that Dwight Howard left. And so, uh, you know, the other time I was What were you going to say? Yeah. What was the 2006. Time? Okay. 2006, but again, the Lakers were the seven seed, or the, yeah, the, either. The, was that the? Was that the? I read an article. I don't remember where it's from. Earlier this month or last month, they were talking about somebody involved in the Staples Center that's been rooting for a conference finals or a playoff meeting at the very least between those two. Yes. And there was a season where they got really close. That was the season. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because the Suns ended up beating the Lakers right. in the first round, uh, coming down from three one to beat them with the big uh, Tim Thomas shot. And, uh, that was the infamous also game seven that Kobe people allege 
Kobe tanked it because of criticisms that he was shooting too much after game six. So game seven, he just didn't shoot, and they got blown out. Had they won that series, they would have faced the Clippers in the second round. Second round so of that playoffs was, and that Clippers team was good. That's Sam Cassell, who is now an assistant coach with the Clippers. That's Elton Brand, Brand yep, before yep. he ruptured his Achilles tendon. Um, uh, and uh, was it uh, Quentin Ross? That's his name. These are the names. This is what I love about summer league. You start to remember names of people that nobody remembers. Quentin Ross, out of Southern Methodist University, was the quote unquote Steve Nash stopper. He was a six eight wing, an excellent defender. They would put him on Steve Nash, and they put Sam Cassell on, uh, I guess, James Jones at the time was the starting three. James Jones, who is now the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving you the summer league history I love it. Uh, of a lifetime here. So, but, yes, we've never had it where these two teams, the Vegas odds have the Clippers as the favorite. Uh-huh. Lakers ain't that far behind. They're not four to one. So, you know, this is a potentially exciting time. Uh, where we could have a conference finals where nobody travels. I don't think well, you'd have any complaints with that. I don't think well, anybody have any complaints well, with that. Well, I'd have complaints because we have the Eastern Conference playoffs this oh, year. Oh, that's right. And that's we've right. Tra- we flip-flopped that's the trade-off. Right. And so our, our partners at Turner would definitely be <laughs> ecstatic about that, but me, not so much. Answer me this. We talked about it last night when we were still trying to figure out where Kawhi was going to go, that – it was a risk that you have to take if you're the Lakers because it's somewhat of Kawhi's caliber. But if you miss, how are you going to fill out the rest of the team? So right. far through the announcement last night around um, 11 p.m. Pacific time, so 2 a.m. Eastern time, very quickly after that signing started to happen. How have you felt about the additions the Lakers have added, the re-signings they've done with what was left on the table? That's, I mean, that, those are the best availables that we're talking about, you know. Uh, when you go into free agency, you have a list of players at every position, right? These are the point guards or combo guards or whatever you want to call them. You know, we could say guards, wings, and bigs, let's say, as three designations so that you don't get caught up into semantics. Well, is he a shooting guard or a small forward? doesn't matter. All right, so. Positionless basketball. Yeah, positionless basketball. And then as these guys are signing deals elsewhere, you're crossing them out. And so now you reach a point where you say, okay, what's best available? The number one point guard on the best available is Rajon Rondo. Number two is Quinn Cook. All right, give me, let me get both. What's the best available on the wings? Danny Green, Kelly Oubre, who's restricted. Say, hey, we, we, we've already wasted enough time. We can't waste more time with an offer sheet here. You got Marcus Morris, but we know he's gone to San Antonio. Signed himself a pretty good deal down there. Right. Uh, and so on and so forth. You're going, you're going through the list. And so it's slim pickings. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I, I was talking with a couple people. Downstairs, again, that's what I love about Summer League. It's not just meeting these people or getting to know these people or seeing people you know again and catching up on old times. It's We get to all do the water cooler. What do you think? What do you think what the Lakers did? Whatever. And, and for me, defensively, that's where I think there are going to be a lot of question marks in L.A. for the Lakers, which is the opposite of the other team. No, the, the, no. The, the other team across all that is locked down like Fort Knox over at the oh other side gosh. of the hall. You know, uh, I saw Mo Harkless posted on his Instagram, you know, the official I'm officially a clipper. And he put hashtag Clamp City, man. It went from Lob City to Clamp City. It. And, you know, I, I wanted it. to hate it. And I was like, I kind of like <laughs> it. I like that. That's nice. I kind of like it. Mm. So, you know, Jimmy and a lot of NBA arenas, they'll do the hey, every time this team scores 110 points. Free hot dogs or free Chick-fil-A uh, sandwiches or free whatever. Right. I want to see the Clippers have one where every time they hold a team, 
under 100 points, or even better, if you really want to flex. Every time they hold a team under 95 points, I'm all about you it. You get a free Big Mac or or Whopper or whatever whatever the sponsor is. That's something I want to see because yeah. I think this team right here has the potential to be one of the greatest defensive teams of all time. And uh, this is the evolution of the defense that rises up to meet the offense, right? The offensive explosion. An unstoppable force right. and an and, immovable object yeah, suddenly. So, so the offensive explosion and what's been the drive for many teams is to build an offensive super team, right? Durant with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. They, they're just unstoppable offensively. And, and even before that, you say Bosh and uh, LeBron, D-Wade. You look at the, the Clippers, and I don't want to typecast these guys because they're excellent offensive players as well. But it's almost like they built a super team that's defensively because you got Kawhi and, uh, and Paul George who are excellent all-around players. But then you throw in a Patrick Beverly, a Mo Harkless, a Landry Shamit. These guys are all excellent defensive players as well. And so now you've got a team one through five. You want you don't want any of these problems, Ryan. You don't want any of this smoke, as they say. Yeah, I worry that the sponsors might not want to uh, want to get in on that ninety-five point action because I feel like they might be giving away more sandwiches than they'd estimated for giving away Big Macs for how locked down that defense is going to be. Yeah, we might. I don't know. One thing I want to ask you: Am I crazy for being excited about? Boogie AD Part 2. I, w- I want to see it again. I, I, did, I didn't feel like we saw enough of it in New Orleans. and didn't get a fair shake. I want to see it again. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm not excited, and here's why. Okay. I really wish DeMarcus Cousins, and, and obviously free agency, it's not always up to us, right? Like, you know, right. I'm sure he would have wanted that as well, but it just didn't work out. I would have liked to see him go to a team that has less expectation. From the standpoint, I think DeMarcus Cousins – at a point in his career right now where he needs to show teams I am healthy. He needs to show teams I am self-productive. He needs to show teams that I am worth more than minimum. And going to the Lakers, particularly knowing that they're also bringing back JaVale McGee and they can play Anthony Davis at the five. I just don't know what the expectations that team has, what kind of patience and wherewithal they'll have for him to work through rust as he returns from his multiple injuries. Uh, and the example I gave to a buddy of mine earlier is that if he plays for a bad team, you know, they still got to play him 26 minutes because who else is going to get these points and grab these rebounds or, or a mediocre team? Which right, say. right. A championship team, if he has a defensive lapse here or there, they just pull him. They've got other options, you know, unless there's foul trouble. But so that's not always the most conducive environment to a player who's trying to showcase himself. And I think that's the big thing for, for DeMarcus Cousins. But you're right. Like, the idea of that chemistry between those two guys existing. And remember who their point guard was that year. Rajon Rondo. Rondo. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's a nice kind of little reunion there. And then uh, you've got, uh, obviously, uh, Danny Green. Yeah. Who played with LeBron in Cleveland. There's a little reunion there. You've got Troy Daniels. Mm-hmm. Who played with Jared Dudley, I believe, a couple years ago. There's, there's something there, so. Quinn Cook and Boogie, you're back in the Quinn same team Cook again. as well. So there's a lot of familiarity there that you hope, if you're a Lakers fan, gets them out of the gate a little bit faster than it would if it were just a bunch of strangers. We'll have to wait and see what happens for them there. It'll be interesting, though. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited for the future for 
the battle for Los Angeles, and I'm excited for the, the continued action here at Summer League, too. Yeah, no, this is this is great time. Exciting things happening on the court, exciting things happening in the hallways, in the chatter, and uh, we hope that you're excited listening to this, and we hope that you continue to stay with us because we're going to continue to bring you the insights, the stuff that you may not see watching it on TV. If you want the behind-the-scenes chatter, as they say, we'll probably bring it to you here on the NBA Sound System podcast live from NBA Summer League. This is NBA Sound System at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Check out our full slate of Summer League podcasts by searching NBA Sound System wherever you get your favorite podcasts or visit nbasoundsystem.com.